Welcome to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. Today, we go deep on the food of New Orleans. Julian Kramer and I sat down with Emeril Lagasse when we were in Chicago for our annual Chicago Gourmet Festival. Let's take a listen. Hi. How you doing? I'm great, Adam. Born and raised in Chicago? Well, I was born in the city. I grew up in the suburbs. Mm. I have to... Be uh, honest. That this just, could be fact-checked. That, you might just got, got demoted or something. I think but you're, right you're based in New York now, right? Yes. I moved to New York two and a half years ago to work for Bon Appetit. Mm-hmm. Emerald, by the way, it's about 12.04 p.m. and does have a glass of what, – what's, what's that glass of white you're this drinking is, right uh, now? This is Gurgich Hills from my friend Mike Gurgich, oh, who uh, just turned 90 years old. Oh, wow. And I've been a big fan of Gurgich Hills for a long time. I'm not trying to promote the wine. I'm not on the payroll. But it's really good juice. And um, I figured, hey, why not? I love that the chefs. The chefs all call it juice. I love that. Is that, is that something that's just my wife of? has juice. Your wife has juice. Yes, she has a winery with uh, with Ali Costa from Dan Costa Costa yeah. Brown. Cool. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> I think you have a lot to do with. A I lot just of drink things. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Emily, I mean, it's interesting. You are you're at a point in your career where you you are one of those guys who kind of does know everybody. And, and let's be honest. And you were saying last night you went to Danny Meyer's new. Bar, Green River. See, I'm trying Chicago. to impress you so that I could get like one of those, you know, affiliate jobs with Bon Appetit <laughs> we, so I can do this, be the spotter for you, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, no, no. I, you know, we'll, we'll um, pay you 12 bucks an hour. Exactly. My culinary assistant, Alan Joseph, is super into cocktails. He's New York based and uh, he hangs out literally about three or four days a week at a place called Dutch Keels mm-hmm. in uh, Long Island City, where they were one of the first guys in New York to do craft cocktails, right? So he's really into it, and he's gotten me into it. And, you know, we're building another restaurant right now in New Orleans that we want to focus on a little bit more crafty cocktails. And I didn't even know, as you and I talk about, that Danny even had something out of the city I, other than Shake Shack. Right? You you told me. I'm like, yeah. That's why we got to hire you as our new so stringer. Green, Green River is what it's called. Really hip, GR. It's on the 18th floor of this building uh, in right off of Michigan. And... I was super impressed. I was not only impressed with the cocktails, but they have a really talented chef. And he just like sent out some dishes that were mind blowing. I mean, for for a cocktail bar. I mean, so if you get a chance, check it out. If not, maybe your next visit, being a Chicagoan. I better go. It's on the 18th floor. Does it have good views? Stunning views. Chef, so um, <clears throat> you had mentioned that a couple of days before you went to uh, Rick Bayless's Frontera Grill and you hadn't been there in a while. I've been friends with Rick for over 30 years and I've always uh, been a big Rick Bayless fan, uh, his lovely wife. They're, they're the real deal. I mean, they like, you know, they like go to Mexico. They take their staff. They go for a month. I mean, it's like he's and he's been doing that for years, yeah. not just like recently. They practice what they preach. I don't know. Absolutely. So I hadn't been in a while. And uh, my two assistants that are with me have not been. And so I said, hey, let's uh, let's go have lunch at, at Frontier Grill. And absolutely, Rick. He, and he was there and he just blew us away. It's still as good as it was. When did it open? 19... 87? 87. 87. When, when Julia was one year old. Oh, my God. 87. <laughs> so think about that. You know, he's also a Chicago institution. To, ma- to maintain that level of quality for that long, you can't overstate how impressive that is. You know, Adam, what was really impressive for me is that the front of the house was so in tune to what was going on with the back of the house. Yep. They didn't miss a beat. They knew every ingredient. Our servers were fantastic. The cocktails were fantastic. The, the food was just amazing. I mean, really, really from, the, from the start with the chips and duo salsas and, and guacamole, 
to like crazy stuff that we were eating with these moles and all of this crazy stuff. It was it was dynamite. I I can't wait to go back. Now you you must all right. This is this is a good problem to have. But I imagine you're the type of guy that when you go to any restaurant in America, they just they just throw the entire the throw the what's the what's the football phrase? They throw the farm at you or what is that <laughs> phrase? Uh, is does that get exhausting after yeah. a while or how do how do you deal with that? Yeah, well you know back in the day, like we told some stories yesterday yeah. with Charlie, had many many trips with Charlie Charlie Charter that is to to France and Italy et cetera. We chase restaurants, and we used to be able to eat three star restaurants like twice a day. I, I can't do that. I, I can't do that like once a week yeah. these days. It's just like it's exhausting because th- those restaurants are designed to be a once a year special and occasion once, meal and yeah. one shot. Right? Yeah. They have one service done, yeah. and when that service is done, they they pack up, they clean the kitchen, and they don't come back till six o'clock for you know dinner service. Um, so to answer your question, yes. Um, uh, a lot of lot a lot of times that happens. You know, there are a lot of extras that come out. I do the same thing in my restaurant, though. Yeah. You know, if you come, <laughs> you're going to kill me. Uh, you know, I'm not going to kill you because I, I, these days I have respect for the human body. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you politely let the waiters know, like, hey, I'd love to taste? Well, this, here's an example. Last you- night, because we ordered like a couple of dishes. Uh, we ordered this like really this whiting that was like lightly smoked. Um, very really interesting fluke. Crudo, because it wasn't a typical crudo. And what else did we order? And then all of a sudden, the chef, like, then it started coming out. And then when the 32-ounce, so there's three of us. So when the 32-ounce special farm ribeye steak came out in a pan with smothered with chanterelles and pearl onions, it was like, okay, time out. (laughs) I am done. That's that's when you tap out, as they say in wrestling. Oh, my God. It's right. What about in terms of? people and and you have a connection with the people in a way that people feel you know as if they know you and that they trust you and, and and when you're out i mean how are people coming up to you constantly and how do you give them the attention that you want while still living your life yeah it's tough it's a fine line because you know um i think the most perception is that i'm very reachable from you know from doing television for so long that people feel that well it's just a guy from emerald live i mean he, he's you know, he we can touch him, and he's a regular guy, and that's cool, and I am. But, you know, after a while, too, it's like, you know, like you're in a serious family dinner at a restaurant, yeah. you know, kids and stuff, and, hey, you know, <laughs> can you sign my shoe? Um, it's all part of it, but uh, I, try to, I try to keep it as balanced as I can and as polite as I can, and I just ask people to do the same thing. Kramer, now let's talk about TV for a minute. Did you? What was your experience growing up with Emerald on TV? Do you remember seeing him for the first time, or? I don't remember TV without Emerald. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm really warming up to you now. <laughs> Does, do you think about that, Emerald? Do you ever think like, what would my life been like if I had never done TV? You know, would well, you still be at Commander's Palace? No, would you I, able- I, you know, I left Commander's uh, with Ella and Dick's blessing and opened Emeralds in 1990. And that's what I, that's what I, my mission was, was to just open uh, a white tablecloth restaurant in New Orleans and pioneer the warehouse district. And I thought that if I could be a great restaurant for New Orleanians, then I would have a shot to make it because I think they're pretty tough critics. They're not so tough as it uh, is verbally, but they're into food. I mean, food is in the house. But I mean, the fact, the fact, as your accent might betray, you're not from New Orleans. No, and, and were I've they resist? 30. But were they resist from this guy from Massachusetts coming down here to tell us how to eat, or were they receptive? No, because I never disrespected tradition. So, 
you know, when I took over Commanders in 1982, um, I, you know, had big shoes to fill because, you know, Paul had just left to do K Paul's officially. Paul Prudell. Even though that he opened in 80, mm -hmm. K was running the restaurant for a bit and, and Paul would go in between. Um, and so, you know, and then working for the Brennan family, I mean, I went to school again. You know, I got paid to go to school and work for Ella Brennan. Um, but getting back to what we were saying, I never disrespected tradition. So what I would do is in my off time, you know, I would search the country uh, the countryside, I would visit farms. I, I began uh, working with fishermen, going on fishing boats and learning about the Gulf and learning about the bayou, et cetera, et cetera. And so I never really, when I took over commanders, I really never had a page on the menu. I basically had to, you know, do signature commanders dishes. And then slowly after several months, um, you know, when Eller and Dick felt very comfortable that I could cook um, and that I understood tradition and that I was really working hard at understanding, you know, like on an off day, go to Antoine's, which is, you know, 200 and some years old, just to eat Pompano and Papia to understand really what Pompano and Papia really was. I mean, you can read it in a book, but to go and actually do it at one of the restaurants that put it on the map 200 years ago, that, that says a lot. And so that's how I uh, that's how I approached it. And finally, you know, after some time, um, you know, Ellen Dick, you know, I had a I had a window uh, where it was, you know, Emerald and then, you know, Commander Signature Dishes, but then it was Emerald. And then that, that little window opened to like, you know, half the menu, like the page. And then they fe felt comfortable that I was, you know, I had a very intellectual approach to what we were doing. I wasn't just putting like lobster and crawfish with blueberry sauce and, <laughs> you know, fried beignets, you know, it was like real, the real deal. And um, it was a great journey. Let's talk about, so you started TV and who, who kind of nurtured or encouraged your TV persona? You have a very larger than life presence on TV, but so where did that come from? And yeah. So when I was, you know, when I was a young, young boy, you know, I was influenced by Julia Child mm -hmm. and I used to watch her. And I'd watch a little bit of Graham Kerr, but it was really Julia that was like the, the big time influence for me. And then, of course, later on, as life, you know, progressed, I was a sous chef uh, at the Parker House in, in the 70s. And I remember that I was uh, running the restaurant and uh, the maitre d' came back and said, uh, Julia Child's coming to dinner tonight. And I freaked out because, you know, here's my idol. And now all of a sudden she's coming to dinner. So long story short. I had periwinkles that I had bought from the fishmonger that morning and had some, and that's what I made Julia Child. I made oh, her wow. periwinkles and champagne sauce. I'll never forget it. And she was blown away. We became friends, and then later on, you know, became more friends, and friend, and then we got really, 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 really close. And uh, she's a great lady. But, yeah, she always struck me that her TV personality, that fancy, impressive food could also be fun. Oh, did, no question you know. about it. I mean, how many times were you watching a show and she dropped a chicken on the floor and just like, whoop, oh. Three-second roll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, um, amazing, amazing stuff. Good good TV. Um, well, Emerald, thank you so much for stopping by Thanks, today. Thanks, guys. I'm but, so glad that uh, you had me stop by. Yeah, well, you were, but we're not letting you go just yet. Right now, Julia, you're going to handle the lightning round. Uh -oh. We're going to ask you either or questions, and you have to answer, and, and uh, yeah, it's an either or. Okay. No equivocating. No, I love both, you know. Yeah. Okay. Po'boy or Muffaletta? God, that's tough. 
Today, I'm going to have to say muffalata. How come? Um, Napoleon House toasted extra olive oil on the side. Wow. What is the mark of a good muffaletta for people who have never had one before? The cold cuts are very, very important. The bread is important, and the olive salad that's in it is very, very important. The olive salad cannot just be green olives. There has to be a combination. And it also has to have very fine chopped celery and onion in it. Ooh, I like that. Yep. That sounds delicious. Sazerac or hurricane? Sazerac. All right. I don't know what you're going to think about this one. Kick it up a notch or bam? (laughs) Well, Julia just winced. Can I I tell you about that? Because kick it up, kick it up a notch. I always kicked it up a notch. During the days of Essence Ephemeral, I always kicked it up a notch, which meant me to the viewer that I was going to raise the salt or raise the spice or whatever. Also, some some people forget Essence of Emerald, there was no audience. Your original show was just you. Right. Bam came from doing eight television shows a day. Do you know what that means? Eight television shows a day? It's unheard of. Nobody shoots eight eight television. So being a food show and being that that food was what the crew ate. That was crew lunch. And so you do four or five shows and break for lunch and then come back. And as Adam said, no studio audience. So, bam, came from waking up the crew. Wake the half up. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. That's great. Crawfish or shrimp? Uh, crawfish. I love shrimp. I eat shrimp a couple times a week. We're very blessed to have amazing shrimp season in the Gulf. But there's something about crawfish when they're in season. I like them boiled. I like them out of the shell. I like them sautéed. We have a we have a pasta dish that we do when it's in season at Emeralds that is to die for with smoked mushrooms. Um, I when crawfish are in season, I'm going to these joints. Literally, they're joints, and I'm getting a few pounds of crawfish, and I'm sucking head and pinching tail. <laughs> and you've, I know you've been, and I am the one that taught Julia Child how to suck head and pinch tail. Oh my god, that's a quote. <laughs> Okay, would you rather binge watch Ina Garden or Guy Fieri? That one's easy. Hmm. All right. I, I'm gonna get in trouble no matter what answer I say. <laughs> so I I'm gonna I'm gonna take the least and say guy. <laughs> He's easier to deal with than Ina. I'm gonna say Ina. We'll balance it out. I love them both. Um, I do too. Uh, I have a question. Crab cake or soft shell crab? I, I'm a soft shell crab guy. How do you, how, how, what's your favorite way to prepare them? If- well, I used to do a dish at Commander's, um, and I occasionally do it at Emeralds still. Um, I, I like to bread them, but there's a way to bread them that they're not heavy. Um, I, I, I soak mine for a little bit in buttermilk that's flavored with a little bit of hot sauce and nice. essence. And I just sort of let the soft shell, you know, the order comes in, I let the soft shell sit in the, in the buttermilk mixture. And then when they, when we're ready to pick them up, I'll take them out of the buttermilk mixture, and I have about an 85% flour, 15% cornmeal with essence inside of that mixture. So, yeah, it's always important to season every step, correct? Yep. One shot in the flour, not double. I don't double bread them. And then into oil, Canola, vegetable oil, about 370 degrees. Deep fry or pan fry? Deep fry. Mm-hmm. And there's a way that you can hold them with tongs so that the legs properly stand up 
so that they cook evenly throughout. And so you don't get where the meat part is where the gills are. Mm-hmm. You, if you don't do that, then they stick together, and then you get too much of a bread bite as opposed mm-hmm. to a crab bite. Wow, you're an authority. Last question, and you got to pick one. Butter or olive oil? Butter. Oh, wow, I like that. Just No question. Well, going back to Julia, you know, there was never enough butter for her. <laughs> More butter. You know, it was just, there's just something about butter. All right, I'm Adam Radford. That's Joey Kramer. And thank you so much, Emil Lagasse. Pick up his new book, Essential Emerald, out now. This podcast is brought to you by executive producer Bell Cushing and project manager Carrie Polis with editing by Mitra Kaboli. The theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Street.